Good morning, church. Buenos días. Eso. Aleluya. So it's summer, it's hot. But I'm from Cuba, so I'm enjoying it. <laughs> then I can rejoice and finally close my eyes and act like I'm in Cuba for, for a second. So we're going to start a new um, sermon series on prayer. I'm going to make sure that I set my clock here because for all Hispanics, preaching 25 minutes is like child abuse. Uh, I have to <laughs> remember that I have to contain myself. But prayer, I, I've been impacted by Jesus' prayer life all my life. And this sermon series, I hope that we all go deeper uh, in our prayer life. So let's go to Luke chapter 11, 1 to 4, and then 9 to 13. And this is the first seminar on prayer. So I hope that when you go out to the libraries and, and places or Amazon to buy books on prayer, first you go to Luke 11. There is a powerful seminar on prayer here, and I hope that you get uh, all these principles. The word of God for the people of God one day, Jesus was preaching or praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray. Say with me, when you pray. <laughs> Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive our sins. If, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Imagine a world where God's deepest desires and wildest dreams for you could be brought to life in Jesus. What if I told you this morning that there is a way to unlock our potential and make our dreams in God a reality? Today, Jesus will help us through the scriptures to unveil the secret that has captivated the hearts of countless individuals through history, the power of persistent prayer. So get ready to embark on a journey that will forever transform the way you and I communicate with God, our Father, and unlock the extraordinary possibilities within you. We will explore the purpose of power, the purpose and power of prayer, persistent prayer, and how it can transform our relationships with God. So let's first notice in this passage of Luke 1, 11 to 4, that in this, passage, in this passage, the disciples didn't ask Jesus, teach us 
how to make miracles or teach us how to walk on water. They ask, teach us how to pray, how to pray, the importance of prayer. And then Jesus, to expand a little bit more, shares a parable about the importance of persistence, of persistence in prayer. As we dig deeper into this text, we will see and understand and discover key principles that we can apply to all these passages. First, when we go to the scriptures, we see that Jesus modeled prayer for us. It says that Jesus was praying. Luke 6, 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spend the night praying to God. So if Jesus was praying, we need to pray. Then Luke 5:16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. So in Jesus' time, we see that prayer was as important as it is today. And they were seeing Jesus spending time with God, spending hours with God, and they were captivated by Jesus' prayer life. So after he was praying, then miracles happened and captive was free and he was open the mouth of the mute and the blind can see. And they said, what's going on? How this is happening? And they were captivated by it and they wanted to know more. But even now, even today, we see that prayer is not only a time or introspection and self-reflection. So that's good. When you pray, you organize your ideas, you organize your day, you pray for you, for your family. That's good. But it's also a two-way communication where we have to expect God to purify our hearts and soul, creating the space for spiritual growth and transformation. And Jesus added more to the usual prayer life of people. He was focusing on sincerity, humility, and faith, but he also brought a new way of praying by connecting with God as our Father. And that was something new and revolutionary. That, was, that got him killed eventually, <laughs> calling God his Father. Can we say our Father? Can you say it again? Our father. Our father. So we are not orphans. We are not orphans. My father, my father passed away when I was 15. I came to Christ later, and I discovered, wait, I'm not an orphan. I have a father. My father is in heaven. However, prayer is the most misunderstood principle in the kingdom of God. Everyone does it, regardless of the race, the language, the culture, or the country, the deity or the deities. All the religion, everyone does it. Why? Because people know that the only way to access the spiritual world is through prayer. But not everyone understands the principle of prayer and how it works. As a result, our prayer meetings are the least attended meetings in the life of the church. Think, of, think about this. The prayer life of church members significantly impacts the spirituality of their household and influences the attendance and vibrancy of church prayer meetings. In other words, if we are not praying at home, if we're not having a personal relationship with Jesus and spending time with the Father, doesn't matter how much we pray here, will not be effective. Then, the size the size of the church prayer meeting will determine 
the church impacts on earth. So we are not Salvation Army. I'm, I'm excited when the church feed the people and clothes the naked, but we are the church of Christ. We are here to, to create the space for life to be transforming. It only happens through prayer. And prayer is the vehicle that will help us to sustain the mission and the vision of God. So we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but not any church, a militant church, a church that prays. Pray for your father, pray for your mother, your siblings, your children, your grandchildren. You pray and pray and pray and pray and know that, that God is with you. But the question remains, if Jesus modeled prayer for us, why don't we pray? So some people don't pray because they don't get results, or they don't pray because they don't accept God's will for their life and the answers that he gave us in prayer. After all, they say, God didn't answer quick enough. I mean, Harry, I need a microwave prayer. <laughs> However, the root cause of all these reasons is the lack of knowledge. The lack of, no of knowledge leads to a lack of prayer. Hosea 6, 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed from the lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge and power. Some people say knowledge is power. No, the application of knowledge is power. We all know that we need to save money and invest money. We all know that we need to go to the gym and do exercise. How many of you know that we have to eat healthy to stay healthy? How many of us are doing it? So knowledge is not power. It's the application of knowledge. What is power? So we don't know. We need to start applying all these principles. In reality, we don't want to admit, and we don't want to admit it, but we stop praying because of the lack of results in our prayers. And we ask questions like, why do I need to pray if God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, all-seeing? and all benevolent. He knows what I need. Why does God choose not to intervene and address all our problems? Furthermore, if we cannot alter God's action and will, what is the purpose of prayer? Jesus knew the purpose of prayer. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So it doesn't matter how many plans do you have, you need to make sure in prayer that you are living out God's purpose for your life because his purpose will prevail. And what is the definition of purpose, pastor? Original intent, the reason of existence, of existence for something or someone. That's why Jesus is teaching us it's true that will transcend this Sunday in the name of Jesus. Matthew 18, 18 to 19. Let's see what, how Jesus leads us into a prayer that is powerful. He's teaching and saying to Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter. Just remove the name Peter, put your name. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, talking about himself, I will build my church 
and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heavens. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound on he in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. Notice that it says the keys. I remember when I came in June 25, June 25th, Joe gave me a bunch of keys with a bunch of colors. Here are the keys of the church. <laughs> and I was trying to understand all these keys. But he then gave me, he then gave me one key to the church. He gave me the key to every area on the church so I have access as the senior pastor because keys are representation of what? Authority. You can go and access places. So Jesus is doing the same thing and saying, this is not one key, it's the keys. You have, you have to pray, fast, spend time with God, read the Bible, come to worship, raise your hands, labor in prayer. Then in Matthew 18, 18, he expanded a little bit more and says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You already said that. And whatever you lose will be loose. But then in verse 19, he adds something. He says, again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth, where? On earth, you need to die to pray. It's on earth, we're here. If two of you agree about anything, and in Spanish, anything means todo, everything, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So God is showing us through Jesus that prayer is more than talking to God. So people say, well, prayer is talking to God and just having a conversation. No, prayer is more than that. What is the definition of prayer based, based on Luke 11 and based on Matthew 18 and 16? It says prayer is an earthly agreement. In other words, you have to be here. Between two or more people for the will of the Father to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In short, prayer is more than talking to God. Prayer is a sacred bound between two or more people. A divine connection that bridges the earthly realm with the heavenly domain. It is a profound alliance that beckons the will of the Father to come and be manifested here on earth. Embracing this transformative agreement, we unlock the boundless potential to co-create a world where heavenly blessings become normal, natural, upon our life here on earth. John Wesley said it this way, prayer is not asking, it's about longing, it's about, it is a longing of the soul it is the daily admission of one weaknesses. It's better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. This is why Jesus is teaching us this pattern in the Lord of prayer, in the, in, the, in the Lord's prayer. That we need to understand that this is not about words. It's about having the heart in the right place. So Jesus is teaching us and saying, I have an expectation. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. Prayer is not a choice, it's an expectation. And I know that because then he goes back and repeats it again and teaches it again in Matthew 5, 5 to 8. He says, he starts saying, when you 
pray. And then in verse, in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what, you is, what is done in secret will reward you. And then in verse 7, again, when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans. If they, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So this is not about just a conversation. It's not about just talking to God. It's not about babbling and, and speaking in tongues. This is about having the heart in the right place. So prayer is not talking to God, my friends. It's not about eloquence. I can say, oh, master of the universe. It doesn't work. It's not about intensity. In the name of Jesus. It doesn't work. It's not about length. I'm going to pray for three hours, eight hours. It's not about emotion, coming and crying and crying and crying and crying, but you keep singing and singing and singing. It doesn't work. It's not about posture. I thought I was, I kneel. I lay down the floor. I got up. I walk. It's not about that. It's about the heart. It's about your heart, my heart, basing our prayers in God's word and will. That will give us the legal authority to access the heavens. Let's reach the heavens. We have that authority. But we have to have the heart in the right place. It's about intimacy. It's about knowing God's will and purpose for our lives. Prayer is a sign of surrender. So when you pray, at the end, if you say, thy will be done, not mine. And I see in the culture, I see on Facebook, I see on YouTube, I see it everywhere. Name it and grab it. I declare and I get it. The law of attraction, let's attract this. Think it and you have it. Good luck. Good luck. Prayer is not about having things. Prayer is about relationship. The difference between the kingdom of darkness the difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. In the kingdom of darkness, you pray to get stuff. In the kingdom of light, you pray to be with the Father and change your heart and purify your heart. And God is powerful. So we see the importance of prayer. What are the key principles that we see in this passage? Well, prayer is a direct line of communication with God. Through prayer, we grow in intimacy, but also we seek his guidance. Without prayer, our spiritual life are shallow and ineffective. This is why Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer. Acknowledge God's holiness. He's holy. And the beautiful thing is that we can sing all day, but we are, because we are sinners, but we are also children of the living God. So it takes one minute to say, I repent. And then everything changes and the heavens are open for you. That's the difference between practicing sin and sinning. Practicing sin is sinning every day. It's like doing exercise. Some people really practice and do sports and do exercise. They go every day to the gym. I don't. I go every time. I go in January and then I go back in May. That's not practicing. That's not practicing. That's just going eventually. So that's, that's what we are. I mean, we, we are sinners, yes, but we are not sinning every day continually. We stop and we repent and everything is made new for us. So Jesus is teaching us to recognize God's Father 
God's our Father and His sovereignty and His authority. There is a powerful contemporary theologian quote that says, one of the amazing things about the Lord's Prayer is that it avoids calling God Father in the abstract. It calls Him our Father. Our Father. Emphasizing the corporate devotion of the community of faith. This is what Christian, the Christian faith is a communal, a communal faith. It's not a private thing. So we need to connect the two. So in this level of prayer, which is number one, the Lord's Prayer is personal prayer. So Jesus is teaching us what is personal prayer. In response to the disciples, he says, okay, I'm going to teach you first the Lord's Prayer as a framework. So we repeat it, but it's more than a repetition. It's a framework, and there is elements there that we need to use in our daily prayers. So praying the Lord's Prayer is not about the contemporary service, not about the traditional service. doesn't say that in Luke 11. Okay? So we all need to be what? Praying. And praying and keeping those elements, seeking God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, daily devotion, asking him for provision, forgiveness, and deliverance. And when we do that, our prayers become powerful. Then in Luke 11, 5 to 8, Jesus expands a little bit more with a parable, the parable of the friend who comes at night, midnight. The parable of the persistent friend, that's the level two. Level one, personal prayer. Level two, intercessory prayer. Just interceding for someone else. This parable emphasizes the importance of persistence in prayer and highlights the friend's willingness to respond to the persistent request of his friend. In this parable, God is helping us to teach others and to intercede for others and to help others. Jesus is encouraging us to persevere in prayer, knowing that God's nature is to bless us. God is not like the neighbor in the parable. He's not reluctant to answer our prayers. We have to be more confident. He's a loving father who delights in providing for his children. So we need to persist in prayer. So in Luke 11, we have other elements. 5 to 13, we see this prayer and persisting, persisting, not taking, taking no for an answer. And that's what we need to do. We need to persist. So prayer is not a one-time request, but a continual conversation with God. We must keep seeking, asking, and knocking, knowing that God will answer according to his perfect will. Jesus encouraged us to seek, to knock in our prayers, assuming that we are grounded in the scripture, in the word. And we can preach all day, but if we don't pray, nothing will move. And that's true for worshipers, for leaders. It's about prayer. That's what defines our ministry. It's the presence of God, not the activities that we do. He uses this parable to teach us that we need to be like this friend. And he says at the end of the verse, shameless audacity. He, says, he, he, he will receive what he is asking for, not because he's a friend, but because of his shameless audacity. Shameless audacity. Sometimes we are to, oh, Lord, I don't know if you're going to hear me. No, 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 no. 
shameless audacity. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, knowing that you hear me. That's why Jesus, when he was praying for Lazarus, he said, Lord, Father, I know that you hear me. I know that you hear me. So God is hearing us. Ask, seek, and knock. Those are active actions. It's not passive. We have to ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. John Wesley, uh, John Wesley put it this way. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. So we need to pray with faith. We have the authority to reach and access the heavens. Let's do it in the name of Jesus. There is a key principle that I want to highlight also this morning. It's the balance that prayer is both a personal activity when you pray, when we pray, but it's also a corporate activity, our Father. And we see these two levels of prayer in Ezekiel 22:30, he says, I look for someone among them who would build a wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. So God is looking from heaven. Is there someone? And when he looks at St. John this morning and he looks and scans the whole congregation seeking for someone, one person to stand in the gap, for the community, for the world, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your family. And I wonder if he's going to find one person. And then in Second Chronicles 7.14, he moved bigger now to his people. It's, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Say with me, then. Say with me, then. Then. So it's not automatic. It's not a conversation. It says that you have to seek his face. Seek my face. Pray. Seek my face. And then turn from your wicked ways. So we cannot just sing and sing and sing and sing and, and my thoughts are evil, my, my motives are evil, and I'm singing adultery and fornication and doing all of that, and then, God, why you don't hear me? Okay. He says, turn from your wicked ways. So regardless of what you are doing this morning, I don't care. God doesn't care. You know what God cares? Will you repent? Will you turn from your wicked ways? And then I will hear you from heaven. Your family is waiting for that prayer. Your children is waiting for that prayer. The community is waiting for that prayer, that we all turn from our wickedest way and begin to pray. Knowing that God is waiting on us. He said, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal the land. How many of you are in need of healing? Not only physical healing, but emotional healing, spiritual healing, healing for my children, for my family. We need to pray. Knowing that we have the authority. Who has the authority to pray on earth? Who is in charge of the earth? Well, if you go to Genesis 1, 26, it says, let us make humans in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the earth. So we are the ones responsible for the earth. It's not God. We are 
God is waiting on us to act on that truth. Let us make humans. So in, in Hebrew, the word humus means dirt. And then man is being. So God breathe power. We are a powerful combination of heaven and earth. In fact, you are bigger, you are bigger inside than you are outside. You are a soul. You have a soul. You have a, a spirit. It's powerful. That's why we can bring heaven to earth when we pray in the name of Jesus. But we need to stop blaming God for everything that happens down here. So let us take dominion and stop blaming God for human affairs. Where evil, where does evil come from? From our hearts, from our actions. But people are angry at God when it's our responsibility. Let's take responsibility in prayer. Let's make prayer a priority. Set aside a dedicated time each day to pray. Seek God. Seek God's face. Engage in community prayer. Participate actively in communal prayer. It's not only personal, it's not only individual prayer, but also seek opportunity for communal prayer, to pray as a body. Because he said the, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's, that's a powerful statement. So that's why in September, on Tuesdays, 8 a.m. to 8.30, we're going to pray, start praying online for everybody who wants to connect. And then we're going to pray also at night, 6 to 7, in person here in St. John. We need to start praying. And in one month here, I've been, I'm seeing so many so many things that we are doing so much that we are doing that is so meaningful. We are serving people. We are feeling the hungry. We are close to the naked. But we need to start praying. St. John is going to a whole new level of challenges in the next two years. Not only family challenges and household challenges, but also as a denomination, as a church. There is so many things that we need to do. And we need to get ready, stop worrying, and start praying. If we do that, God will move. And that's why I'm doing it. We are doing it as the staff. We're praying for you every, every week. We pray for you every week. But also when we say soon, please know this. It's 8 to 8.30, which means you don't, have to, you don't have to show anything. It means it will be no camera, only voice. So if you show up and get up and you are sleepy, it's okay. You can connect. No one will see you. <laughs> if you are driving your car, whatever you just connect. Wherever you are, we want to impact people at St. John, but also outside, and you know, that we can pray for the community and for the city. And then we're going to pray in person, say six to seven, but not only pray, we're going to walk around the church, we're going to connect and go to the staff, uh, where the staff meets, that building over there where you go when you are in trouble. <laughs> this time, let's all go and pray, and let's go to the children area, let's go to every area of the church and connect with the ministry there, praying there. So I'm going to have worship and I'm going to pray and pray and pray. Pray for one another, pray for the church. Remember, Jesus says when you pray. So St. John needs to get deeper in prayer as a body. I know that we have people, we have pockets of people praying, but it's powerful when the whole church comes and pray together. So I will leave you with this piece. This is the main message of this sermon. Persistent prayer is powerful and essential for developing a deep and intimate relationship with God. Now send 
Augustine put it this way, which summarizes everything I said this morning. If you forget everything, remember this. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. God will never violate his word. God will never fail his promises. If you pray it, it will happen. If you pray it, knowing this, it will happen. If it's written, you can pray it. If it's written, you can pray it. If it's written, you can pray it. And you know that God will answer that prayer. So, let's work together. We have learned that prayer is not simply a religious ritual or a way to ask for heavenly favors. It's a relationship. We have seen how persistent in prayer is essential for us as disciples of Christ. And then we are reminded that prayer is both a personal and a communal activity. But most importantly, prayer is more than talking to God. Prayer is an earthly agreement. We need to come together in agreement. An agreement between us and God to make his kingdom come. So again, we're going to challenge St. John to pray together in the morning, beginning in September. Say with me, September. September. Okay, so I'm going to give you the month of August for you to adjust. <laughs> but in September, the first Tuesday, 8 in the morning, we're going to start praying, and then at night. So we invite you to pray together. Now, let's activate this sermon, because if we don't pray together, then we are missing this opportunity. We need to act, let, let the word become flesh. So this is the first request that I have for you as your pastor. And I hope that you listen to me and do it. Can you stand up? If you are able, if you are sick, we pray in the name of Jesus you are healed. And God will remove anything that is not well. Number two, think about one burden, one personal burden, and one corporate burden. One for the church, one for your family. And let's pray that for a, for a few minutes. And then after you finish that prayer, we're going to agreement. Remember, prayer is an earthly agreement. So agree with two or three people. We pray for one burden, one personal, and one corporate. And then as you finish, please come forward to the altar. We're going to close together praying the Lord's Prayer together in the altar. The altar is the safest place on earth. Don't be afraid of the altar. Be afraid to drive, not to come. In these roads, it's like this. My wife and I are praying every time we turn. The altar is the safest place place on earth. But let's all come together and pray and close at the altar while we worship a little bit.